podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed Mark Noble West Ham United shirt. Tickets are just £4.95 each and just 99 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Tuesday, the 21st of December, and the winner will be announced an hour later live on Facebook. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufau up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. West Ham aren't as massive every single place that we go, it turns out, because we went to the Emirates and lost 2-0 on Wednesday, didn't really threaten the Gunners at all and looked a little bit ropey at the back. Obviously, Anthony Taylor's work to secure his season ticket in the Emirates Stadium for the next two or three years made it a little bit more difficult for West Ham. Vladimir Soufal sent off for a ridiculous first yellow card and then second yellow. Arguments, of course, that the game wasn't overly changed by that, but if you're 1-0 and you've got 11 against 11 going into the closing period, you always got a chance. But as it was, he got sent off. West Ham lost 2-0. A chance to bounce back against Norwich at home. Premier League whipping boys, certainly until Dean Smith took over. That was taken away from us because of COVID. Norwich requesting that cancellation. So the game at London Stadium on Saturday did not go ahead. But... We've got a League Cup game at bitter rivals Tottenham Hotspur on Wednesday night and a finally a home Boxing Day fixture. Southampton at home, 26th of December. So still plenty to talk about on the We Are West Ham podcast. And I am delighted to say that talking about it with me for potentially the last time this year is James Jones. Jonesy, we're fifth in the Premier League. We're through to the last 16 of the Europa League as group winners. What a calendar year it has been for West Ham United. Probably the best, or not probably, just the best in my lifetime, certainly having been born in 1991. That is quite a lot of seasons to have endured. Funnily enough, though, at the end of it all, there does seem to be a weird little flat feeling, am I wrong, going into uh, the last 10 days of 2021? I think, yeah, it's a little bit flat. You're right, it has been an incredible year, but um I don't think I don't think we can be too worried just yet. I don't think the defensive ridiculous amount of injuries about in defence has helped. Um and I don't think it was ever gonna we weren't gonna just continue winning with a with a makeshift back four. Um regardless of how massive we are. I mean I think there's only probably one or two clubs in the world that can have the amount of injuries to their first first choice defence and and continue to to remain as massive as they always have been. Um, 
we're not one of them, unfortunately, uh, quite quite clearly. But I think got a good opportunity to bounce back against Southampton on Boxing Day. Um, if we get a result against Spurs in the cup, that's another big confidence boost. And by then, hopefully, we get a couple of couple of defenders back fit, and we're looking in good shape going into the new year. And obviously, a transfer window where hopefully Moyes can can bring one or two extra bodies in. So it does feel a little bit flat, but I think we have to kind of look at the whole year as a whole and go actually. Yeah, okay. We're we're annoyed because we we haven't beaten Arsenal and um, Burnley. And, okay, and Burnley and, and Brighton, Brighton. Still, and Wolves. Um, yeah. But I think that generally that's what it's come down to. Like it's like, well, we're annoyed that we've we've turned we've not turned up at Arsenal, which was frustrating. It wasn't a great result. We'll get onto it. But what eighteen months ago we were. We were annoyed just because we were in a relegation battle. Now we're annoyed because we've fallen out of the top four. I mean, we've come a long way, haven't we? So, perspective is all I'm saying going into the new year. Mate, I'm absolutely with you. Now, I'm normally the one calling for macro thinking and looking at the bigger picture and, uh, you know, not one to get too uh, rattled, if you like. I'm saying that because I obviously am. I obviously am someone to get rattled after. Uh, yeah, the Brighton one, that's still just hankering with me i'm going to try my very best not to take that into 2022 but i may need a bit of quick bit of therapy to get rid of uh, that memory before the end of it um i was at the emirates on on wednesday night jonesy and yeah it's just one of them really i mean the refereeing decision made a frustrating evening even worse it's like arsenal didn't really need help anthony they were likely to win the game anyway it was one of those where you thought before Kufal gets sent off, oh, you know, dying stage. We haven't really done much, but you only need to get a road corner out of somewhere, launch one in the box, and you never know. Uh, obviously, it wasn't to be. And yeah, although Fabianski pulled off a, a good save, Arsenal sort of made no mistake not long after. And we didn't, well, it just looked even less threatening than than we had for most of the game already. We'll look into that Arsenal game in a little bit more detail. One interesting thing that's happened since we last spoke, Jonesy uh, got sort of got lost a bit in the, the shambles that was the Champions League draw. But the Europa League last 32 draw took place. Uh, so West Ham have got an idea of who they'll be playing. One thing that did tickle me is Barcelona have been drawn against Napoli probably the most difficult draw uh, tie that they could have, have pulled out of that. Um, so it may be that we don't even get the chance to face Barcelona because they'll already be out. Yeah, but Dortmund are still there. Um, mm. And I was, I, was having, I was having this debate at, at work, so like, which one would you prefer? And I, Obviously, you'd, you'd like to go to Barcelona, but I think Dortmund's a, a, a pretty good alternative. Um, if we can go there instead. So I'm holding out for either of those two. Yeah, it's just way less glamorous, but way more chance of getting walloped in it. That's the only. Yeah, thing. that's true. That's true. But <laughs> good to see, good to see Erling Haaland in the flesh, wasn't it? Although yeah. We'll probably get that next year when he signs for City. God, blimey, Erling Haaland versus Craig Dawson. No, actually, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna redo that little joke there because that's how I'm gonna do it again. Right, ready? Pretend you never heard it. Okay. God, blimey, Erling Haaland against Issa Diop. Yeah, sorry, I was a bit harsh on Dawson there. It's a Diop's obviously the one. Uh, if you're Erling Haaland, you're going to be targeting uh, Diop, aren't you, rather than Dawson? I mean, like, if I was Haaland, I'd be shivering in my boots come up against those two. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Masuaku playing left-back because Cresswell's back still hasn't healed well into March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I was, we were having this conversation the other day because obviously you've got a few teams 
in there, some weaker teams. I was like, yeah, give me RB Salzburg or just just someone like Chaff, if you like. Uh, not that that's a, a good approach to take and they'll all be reasonably decent teams having got through their groups. But if it's not Barcelona, I don't want Dortmund this early. I would like, I don't want Dortmund in the semi. Yeah, quality, that'd be brilliant. But um, I would actually like to progress in the competition a little bit beforehand, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but you're in the competition. You got you got to play them. You know, start early. You got to beat the best to to be the best, haven't you? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, obviously you'd like a a more straightforward draw. Yeah. But I think again, perspective. We're here. Let's just take what we get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that is one way of looking at it, I suppose. Um, right. So, who have we got here then, Jones? You let me reel out the the tie. So you got Dortmund versus Rangers. Nice tie that. Very uh, two historic clubs. Zenit versus Real Betis. Barcelona Napoli. Sheriff Tiraspol against Braga. Uh, RB Leipzig. Real Sociedad. Porto Lazio. Atalanta Olympiacos. Sevilla Dinamo Zagreb. I mean, yeah, that's, re- I think. We're missing it. It's staring us in the face. It's going to be Sociedad. David Moyes is going back to his his, his old club <laughs> and, and put him on on him and going, yeah. So you shouldn't have got rid of me. Yeah, it's written in the yeah. stars. It's written in the yeah. stars. Yeah, maybe, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's me calling for a tie against RB Salzburg, who aren't even in it as well. It's RB Leipzig. So uh, my bad. Same, same thing. Same franchise. Yeah. My bad. Well, that's a long way off, obviously, yet, but just something that we uh, we didn't speak about um, beforehand. Uh, just uh, one other thing as well, Jonesy, we'll do the housekeeping like usual. I just wanted to start off by saying thanks to Rob Reeve, uh, a listener we've, we've shouted out before on the podcast. He got in touch last week after the section we did on Ireland. I'm not going to read out what he said. It was a personal thing, but he sent a very nice message indeed about that section. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was obviously a, a topic close to everyone's hearts. And yeah, so I just want to say thanks to the message that I, or thanks to Rob for the message that he sent through in the week. Uh, very thoughtful indeed. And um, yeah, obviously glad to uh, glad to see all the support that's coming out from all corners. Behind the cause for Isla, Tyson Fury, Declan Rice, uh, pledge signed gear and stuff in the week. And Rob Snodgrass, Connor Coventry gave some money. I'm sure I'm missing lots there. Um, but yeah, so great to see all the support for Isla on that. And thanks to Rob. I'll get straight onto the housekeeping if I can. You can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're Instagram at we are West Ham pod. Facebook, just search we are West Ham podcast. Do the same on YouTube for all the clips that Jonesy puts up of the different sections of the pod. And if you so wish, you can email us at we are West Ham pod at gmail.com. The links to all of the ways you can follow us and contact We Are West Ham are included in the description to this podcast. And normally we remind everyone that you can buy us a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. But we don't want you to do that this week. Uh, I think last year we said if you want to chip in for the Christmas do, you can. And we certainly spent uh, a few of the money after a few of you did just that, which we appreciated. But 
I know loads of you will have done already, but uh, yeah, this year, if you're thinking of doing that, don't bother. And obviously give the money to Isla's Just Giving, which loads of you have already. The support's been superb, but uh, yeah, put your money to far better use this Christmas and chip in to Isla's Just Giving page rather than uh, a couple of, or a pint of Carling for Jonesy and something a little bit more refined for me, obviously. So what's coming up? On the show tonight, we've got Arsenal reaction in a bit more detail to that pretty grim affair at the Emirates. The Norwich game was called off, of course, which might have been a blessing in disguise. Give us a bit of a much-needed rest, considering that squad is spread so thin at the moment. We'll have the Betway charity bets. Look ahead to that Tottenham game in the League Cup on Wednesday. And we'll have a Southampton opposition view with big Saints fan and excellent, well-known South uh, West Ham United, excuse me, reporter for the Evening Standard, Jack Ross. I'm sure lots of you will be aware of his work already. Uh, and then we'll do the West Ham women and we will say goodbye for this year. Me and Jonesy are, as we always do, we're going to have a break. Uh, from the pod next week so we can spend some time with our friends and family over the Christmas period there will be a podcast going out but will be a pre-recorded uh, end of year review just to look back on 2021 what a fantastic occasion or what fantastic 12 months it's been on and off the pitch so we'll have a look back at that that'll be with you next week uh, around Tuesday or Wednesday the usual sort of time uh, but this will be the last time you hear live, so to speak, from me and Jonesy in 2021. But we'll be back in action early in the new year uh, with your normal format podcast. So do not worry about that. Loads coming up on the show. Me and James Jones, last time together properly for 2021. And we'll start off with Arsenal reaction next. <laughs> Arsenal 2, West Ham 0. James Vladimir Soufal sent off for two yellow cards. I think, to be quite frank, that's the only place we can start. West Ham obviously had a very makeshift back four, although it is likely to be our back four for some time. Yeah, Only three or four weeks ago, we had a start in back four of Ben Johnson, Angelo Ogbonna, Kurt Zuma and Aaron Cresswell. At the Emirates on Wednesday night, we had... Soufal, granted he's starting 11 quality, but then in the middle you had Craig Dawson, it's a deal with Arthur Masuaku playing at left back Arthur Masuaku at left back in a four we all know he is the king, but a left wing back is definitely his better position uh, we'll go into all that stuff in a bit more detail Jonesy, but in my opinion the decision to send Kufal off is the only place to start really I don't know if your reaction or uh, view on it all is the same as mine. First of all, he goes across Kieran Tierney. Tierney makes it look like he's been shot in the face. This is the bloke who wears short sleeves in the snow because he's Scottish and he's so hard. Uh, and then in the second half, Vladimir Soufal slides across, clearly wins the ball with his right foot, then his left foot before Alexander Lacazette trips over him and yeah, is bizarrely awarded as a penalty and Soufal gets his second yellow. Thoughts on that first before we do anything else? Uh, I'm still baffled about it, mate, if I'm honest. Um, you're right about the, the first yellow card. I mean... You wonder when they're going to decide to make the call that the game's non-con- no contact. We might as well turn it into basketball. If if you can't, if you're a defender and you can't go across a defender, and block him off the ball. 
then what's the point? Um, and it doesn't help when a defender just rolls around the floor like he's been murdered. Um, but it's just pathetic from for both the referee and Tierney. And then the the penalty call. I mean, by then I wasn't really surprised. Just wasn't really surprised at all. Um, it's just to kind of expect that sort of inept decisions coming from coming from referees these days. Um, mm. The same thing. The, what annoyed me more was 24 hours later, uh, Newcastle, Liverpool, I think it was. Um, Newcastle Anfield. City, wasn't it? Oh, right. Sorry. Oh, yeah, it, go on. Uh, Anfield, keep... I think it was. Right. Go on. It was the exact same spot. I think it was Callum Wilson running through and it might have been Alexander-Arnold who... It was the exact same spot on the pitch, just different stadiums, obviously. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Exact yeah, same yeah. spot on the pitch. Uh, but this time it was Newcastle attacking and Liverpool defending. Exact same tackle, exact same spot in the, in the area, no penalty. Mm. They looked at it on VAR, still no penalty. So why then... 24 hours earlier, as they looked at VAR and gone, no, that's one, that's a penalty, and two, that's, that's a second yellow card, and, and, and off he goes. I mean, at what point do you, does someone have to like, have to take accountability for just the sheer recklessness of, of refereeing in the Premier League at the moment? We had it two weeks ago with the, the decision not to give West Ham a penalty at Burnley, hmm. when it was a clear penalty. Yeah, I know, mate. That's what um, I mean, yeah. And then, then you go to Arsenal... And you've got your one nil down with what? What was it? 20, 25 minutes to go, whatever it was. Mm. And you've got half a chance to get back in the game. Granted, okay, probably we wouldn't have deserved to get back in the game, but no, well, that's not how earlier, football works, is it? Yeah, you, you know, it only takes a second to score a goal, and you get a fluky little corner or a little counter attack, and you get back in the game. But it's made a lot harder when you get a player sent off for for literally winning the ball in a tackle, mm. which is what defenders or footballers are supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like. I mean, you do sometimes sit there and go, well, what's the point? When you get the likes of Arsenal and, and then 24 hours later, Liverpool getting away with decisions like that. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating because, you know, and I, I said I said to a mate that I was watching it in the pub with a mate after work and I said, you know what? It's 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 as if they're trying to protect the, the, the Super League elite a little bit because these decisions, okay, we didn't get the decision against Burnley, completely different thing, but these decisions mm. always seem to go go the way of top six clubs. Um, and we're kind of pushing, trying to sort of push push our way in there a little bit, muscle our way in. And um, maybe it's it's, you know, it's it's rubbing rubbing a few people up the wrong way a little bit and something had to be done. I don't know. But it did, it just does feel like it's the the Super League elite trying to protect their um their interests. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Jonesy, we're living in a time where conspiracy theories are thriving on all sorts of well, topics is, at the moment. So, what, I mean, <laughs> to be fair though, this isn't really a conspiracy theory. It's just a general feeling amongst it's just any fact, fan. Is it? Any fan that doesn't support a top six club is that generally the top six get the rubber to green more than anyone else in the Premier League. Um, and when you get a team like West Ham that kind of almost threaten to to dislodge at least one of them, suddenly decisions don't go your way. Just saying. 
You know what? Yeah, I mean, mate, the, now is as good a time as any to throw a, a conspiracy theory out there in the mix. Um, I'm sure if you've got to log into QAnon or uh, a few, um, there's a, certainly be a few people in America who'd be keen to hear uh, <laughs> what you've got to say on the Hold topic. As long, yeah. yeah, as long as you don't mind talking about whether the Earth's actually round or not. And uh, whether 9/11 was done on purpose, then uh, yeah, just group it in with all those, group it in with all those, mate. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't have you down as a, a proper conspiratorial theorist, but fair so only, only um, about only about the Premier League. Like, so you do just to clarify, then, so the listeners, in case anyone's wondering, uh, the globe or the planet Earth, round or flat? It's it's a sphere. Right. Okay. Cool, yeah. mate. Not according to everyone. It's, it's, incre- it's incredibly obvious. Incredibly, incredibly obvious. obvious. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, some people would say you're the gullible one by believing that, believing the trick of your eyes. But that's you know, I'm just a messenger boy. And 9/11 on purpose or not? Um, I mean, I don't think it was on purpose. No. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was done on purpose, but um, yeah, but it wasn't not, the inside job. Not, not, well, by, the, not but, by the Americans, right? But. I, you listen to arguments of people that do think it's an inside job and you can just very slightly kind of see their arguments until they start saying ridiculous things and just like take it too far. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, and therefore, so where would you think you're on the sort of scale of conspiracy theories? Where do you think yours about referees falls in terms of like realism or whatever? Because the, the, the flat earth thing, there isn't too much evidence to support that is there i know what you mean sort of on the scale there's theories that go on and on jfk was it an inside job all that sort of thing you listen to some of them and you think yeah there's you know potentially legs in there you could see why someone would imagine it flat earth is kind of like yeah no it's just not, not even a smidgen of that is remotely believable where do you think yours comes on on the scale uh i'd say it's believable i think there's a lot more yeah. people out there that would back me up on this one um, yeah, yeah, and what yeah. I would say is that I don't I, I don't mean to say that that referees are consciously going, yeah, right. Well, that's yeah. Arsenal against West Ham. I'm going to give. I'm going to make sure Arsenal win this. Mm. It's a subconscious bias towards the bigger clubs, yeah. um, which therefore backs up the Super League elite, where you know it just it it, it gives them a little bit more weight. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I'm not saying that Mikhail Arteta is whacking a brown paper envelope into Anthony Taylor's <laughs> dressing room yeah. before the game I'll make sure we you know would be an illegal mess if you were mate yeah exactly but all yeah. I'm saying is that it's, it's a subconscious it's a subconscious bias towards towards bigger clubs mm. um, yeah, which, which just it seems to happen every season for me yeah VAR was supposed to eradicate all that as well wasn't it which is the most irritating thing and uh, at the beginning of the season everyone us included everyone was going Oh, they've cracked it. It's being refereed so well. There's no stupid decisions. VAR's doing what it's supposed to do. They're working in sync with the on-field officials. They're going over to the monitor more. And everyone's like, yeah, finally, they've nailed it. And this is brilliant. We're all enjoying watching football. This seems to have fallen off a cliff. I don't know if you watched the Tottenham-Liverpool game yeah. the other day, but it was a shambles. Like yeah. Harry Kane studs in the middle of someone's shin, stays on the pitch. Diogo Yota blatant penalty. And then Robertson's all right. It was a pretty wild lunge, but there's no way that was as dangerous as uh, Harry Kane's on Robertson earlier in the game. Absolutely ridiculous. I think I tweeted that if Robertson is is a red card, then Harry Kane deserves an arrest warrant for his one in the first half because it's 
far worse than Robertson's. I didn't see that myself, but someone else, uh, a friend of mine who follows you on Twitter, did actually say, have you seen what Jonesy's tweeted and did actually got a laugh out of that. So, uh, well played. Jo- Jonesy, just uh, that does, unfortunately, mate, uh, move your conspiracy theory about referees slightly back towards the flat earth bit, doesn't it? Because Liverpool no. were robbed at Tottenham. Well, it does. No, but it's two, two top six sides. Technically, I mean, I suppose aren't this season, but technically two Super League sides. Super League sides. Um, so the refs just didn't know what to do. Exactly, they were like, well, yeah. well like, it was all a little bit of a confusing mess for They'd them. rather just stayed at home and let them ref themselves. Yeah, yeah I mean, they probably would have <laughs> better decisions, to be fair. Yeah, fair enough. Josie, this seems like a good time, actually. Um, after that, I don't know, I'd say five to seven minute chat about um, conspiracy theories, <laughs> football and beyond, uh, to read out a, a review we got in the week, actually, or fairly recently, at the end of the last month, which I only just noticed. Um from N London. Uh, it was a five-star review, which I like, and keep it up was the subject heading. But wow, 14 minutes in and still talking about your effing email. Cut the waffle, Will. <laughs> which, uh, um, yeah, I sort of, as I was saying all that about the conspiracy theory, I thought that might have been what N London meant there. Um, what else have we got? Oh, yeah, one star from Shadows06. This is terrible. I would not suggest this to anyone. I don't think you should carry on. Um, I reckon I reckon you listened to the one where I was banging on about my shed. I mean, that could be it, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which, yeah. by the way, Harrison has barely used since he got it on his birthday. Really, oh, mate? What a disgrace! I think perhaps we'd do this as a, a bit of a spin-off because the uh, the reaction to shed content um, <laughs> and email content has, has, been, somewhat, well, has yeah. been somewhat mixed. Yeah, I cannot wait to uh, hear the feedback from the listeners about the uh, conspiratorial theories episode. Although. Uh, w Hammer in there, 27th October, did say best of the lot West Ham wise. Don't get the Antonio fear. Um, firstly, he didn't go to the last international break. So the personal trainer, Jolly, was a weird piece of no news. Um, and then enjoy the ride. Uh, love what you guys do. So uh, some people seem to like what we're doing, James. But um, yeah, we'll try and keep the uh, chat purely on football for the rest of the show, if you don't mind. Arsenal then, Josie. Any other sort of main points or main thoughts or takeaways from the game? Because ultimately, yeah, I have, I think it's clutching at straws a bit to suggest that the red card completely changed the game. Um, I've been reminded that to varying degrees by Arsenal fans uh, since the game took place. Have you, is there any sort of else from the game that oh, you want to talk about really, I suppose? No, I don't, I don't think it changed the game. Um, I think it, as, as we've already said, I think it severely, or at least impacted uh, any any p- potential for us to to get uh, to get an equaliser. Um, but it didn't change the game. It's not as if like we were on top. Um, so I mean, Arsenal deserved to win it, and it was just an off day. And Declan Rice came out, and he was quite angry in his comments, and he said that you know, well. If you don't get the top four if you play like that every week and I'll make him right. You know, if we want to finish in the top four, which is looking very unlikely given the game game in hand that, you know, United and Spurs have got over us. Um then you got you got to play better than that against Arsenal. But Arsenal have been in form recently. You know, we we were technically playing them at a very at a wrong time. Um you, you kind of wanted to play them in the first couple of games of the season when they were getting battered every week. But Something seems to be working for him. We, we placed him at the wrong time, but yeah, 
I put it down to another off week for me. I think it was a bad performance. I don't think the players were up to it. Antonio, again, nowhere near the level that he needs to be. Um, I was quite impressed with Harrison Ashby when he came off the bench, I will say. I know he only got like seven minutes, but other than that, you kind of just write it off and just go, well, better team won on the day. Poor refereeing decision, ruined it a little bit, but it didn't really didn't really change the result for me. Yeah, I just think it took away any chance we had of doing anything in the yeah. game, which we were already barely in. Um, yeah, Martinelli played through. It was quite a nice ball through. Again, Dawson against Martinelli in a in a pace race. It's hard to be too harsh on him. It was a little bit irritating at the time in the stadium. It looked it looked bad, but then having seen it back afterwards, it's a good ball through. Mm. He was yeah, speedy Gonzalez, isn't he? As he is every week. Uh, and then, yeah, Smith Rowe's goal. We're already stretched by then. Again, down to 10 men. Antonio, uh, like best he played was when he played right back, wasn't he? You mentioned mm. him there. I'm not going to keep doing that every week. We said it last week as well. Nothing's changed since last week or the week before. Didn't do enough on or off the ball. Didn't offer anything. Looks a shadow of his self that he was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's all there is to say. And that hasn't changed again for another week yeah and he went right back his old position and uh he actually looked all right for 10 minutes before yeah the sub was made and he was pushed up front again four nails had a chance didn't he which again were down yeah. the end whipped it just went wide of the post but yeah I, it's one of those and I, I think it's a little bit of a psychological blow i don't know if you agree because yeah, it, the talk of top four that was floating around uh, only weeks ago, really, after those big results we got against Chelsea and Liverpool, albeit it was dampened by uh, failing to beat Wolves and Brighton and then Burnley as well. I think there was the idea that, you know, if we could get something at the Emirates, that just stamps our authority or stamps another signal of intent on that top four race. But there was, it was a bit of a gulf, to be honest, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, it harks back to the form of both sides going into the game. Of course, there was a there was a gulf, but when you you got one side that's kind of struggling with injuries and struggling for a little bit of form, having not scored as much as they were earlier in the season, struggling for goals, uh, coming up against a side that's on the ascendancy, you know. Um, I did wonder actually whether the whole Bamiang thing might work in our favour because it all come out what the day before that you know he'd been. Like he'd never played for the club again, strips of the caps and see how, well, maybe, maybe that might. Never played for the club again, you over egging that a bit? Well, apparently that's the that's the, uh, that's the line, isn't it? That he's never going to play with the club again. And I don't know whether that's changed since the last time I heard about it, but he strips the caps and see him, not expected to play for him again. Um, Training I thought, on his own, isn't he? Yeah. yeah so like, maybe, maybe that might work in our favour, but I think, yeah, I think Arsenal are in good form. We're in bad form. Um, and it, yeah, we didn't look like a top four club as as, as Declan Rice said it after the game. So, no real complaints really for me, apart from apart from the the big referee decision. Yeah, exactly that, mate. Yeah, just yeah, I think with the just the changes to the team at the moment, spread a bit thin. Everyone's just a bit exhausted, aren't they? Going to the Emirates yep. and getting something which has been a tough task at any time. Perhaps you give yourself a chance if the referee decision goes your way. I thought it was poor the whole game, to be honest, Taylor. Um, not just the the big ones, obviously. I just, yeah, just not impressed by his showing whatsoever. But Jonesy, I mean, like you said, we're still fifth, which isn't really too bad at all, is it? I think seventeen games, eight wins, four draws, and five defeats. 
Uh, 28 goals scored, 21 against positive goal difference at the turn of the year, which it looks like it might be, will be something we probably haven't had for ages either. 28 points, we're only you know, four points off of the top four and we've got that game in hand over Arsenal. So it's by no means a tragedy whatsoever. Uh, just quickly, Jones, we won't go into it too much. The Norwich game called off, obviously. Uh, Norwich were the ones who requested it. It seems like there's going to be quite a few of those over the coming weeks. There was quite a few last weekend. The Premier League had a meeting today and the clubs decided, despite uh, some Liverpool, etc., saying, well, let's have a break now. People keep calling it a circuit breaker. I don't don't really know where the electric uh, analogy came into it. Um, it It's just called a break. Uh, But the Premier League clubs have basically gone, nope, let's just keep steaming on. We need to be sure on the rules. There hasn't been much clarity come out of that meeting. Um, but yeah, it looks like there will be some football of some sort uh, over the festive period, despite some teams saying they'd rather chill out for a bit. I think it's difficult because I'm not surprised Liverpool wanted a break because you know, Klopp's always moaning about the amount of fixtures. He was even moaning after the Tottenham game about how many fixtures they've, they've got to play. Um, it's like, well, mate, you're playing Champions League. You're playing all, all competitions, the same amount of competitions as everyone else that also play in the Champions League. So then what you're moaning about. Um, but so I'm not surprised that, he, that, that they're a little bit against it. But um, the fact is, those games still got to be played at some point of this season. Um, and the problem they've got about having a, a week or two off is that you either cram them in or extend the, the season another week or two to get get it done. But then you've got a World Cup slap in the middle of next year. So you can't really disrupt next season to make way for games this season, if you know what I mean, if you push it back a little bit. So those games have got to be played at some point between now and May. So you might as well just get them done. If you can play the game, you play the game. Um, so I'm glad that the majority of the clubs have gone, yeah, let's, you know, let's crack on and let's get it done. Um, but yeah. I'm looking forward to a home boxing day. I was gutted about the Norwich one because I was looking forward to three o'clock. I love a good three o'clock. Um, so I was absolutely gutted about that one. Yeah, I was secretly delighted. Um, I was down to work, struggling to get a swap for it. Um, so, yeah, when, when it got cancelled, I was pretty happy in the end. I thought, oh, that's the result. It might give me a chance to go to that later in the season, especially as you'd hope uh, it would be a positive result. But, yeah. Another one of those, Jonesy, I think we have to remain pragmatic, look at the bigger picture and think, well, all right, we haven't beaten Arsenal away. We have, however, this season beaten Man United away, Man City at home, Liverpool and Chelsea at home. Like, <laughs> you're not going to win them all, are you? Uh, just, I think, annoying that it come off the back of that. Disappointing draw at Burnley, but fifth on the 20th of December through the Europa League group has winners with a game to spare. Think bigger picture, like you were saying. It's all happy days. Uh, look ahead, Jonesy, because we'll have the Betway charity bets next. We'll have a look back to our selections for that game at the Emirates. No winners uh, again for that one. And look ahead to the visit of Southampton, our first Premier League game at home on Boxing Day since moving to the London Stadium. So it's Betway charity bets next. <laughs> Lads, the holidays have come early this year as our partners, Manscaped, have the gift that keeps on trimming with a whole host of male grooming products on offer from the Lawnmower 4.0 
to their new refined cologne and everything in between. Manscaped have got everything you need to make sure you're looking more Michael Bublé and less Santa Claus this holiday season. And in the spirit of Christmas, you can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code WEARWESTHAN. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code WEARWESTHAM, all one word. Now is the perfect time to get yourself or a loved one the gift of shaving. I am talking about the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, a pair of boxer shorts, a travel kit, and liquid formulations. Yeah, for those who don't know, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts. And it even has a light to help with all those little dark spots down below. And then there's the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer with its proprietary skin-safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Also in the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 is Crop Preserver, which is a spray that protects against chafing. The Crop Reviver, which will ensure things down there remain fresh at all times. And then there's the Foot Duster, which will make even the ugliest of feet, like mine, look and smell lovely and much, much more. And to top it all off, you even get a shed travel bag so you can carry all your precious Manscaped products in style everywhere you go. So to get your hands on a Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 and to see all the other lovely male grooming products they have on offer ahead of the festive season, head over to manscaped.com today. And remember, get 20% off and free shipping with the code WEARWESTAM. That's WEARWESTAM, all, all one word, WEARWESTAM. It's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. So go on, make Santa proud and cement your place on his nice list this Christmas by joining the Manscaped movement. I was supposed to have two games to look back on, Jonesy. It turned out to be just the one that disappointed game at Arsenal. Um, Betway Charity bets, though. Another disappointing element of that Arsenal game. The barren spell rumbles on. Um, didn't have any winners. We weren't really close, were we? Yours one, your one did make me laugh. Uh, off air, I just said, uh, yeah, yours, yours didn't come close. Just having a recap. Uh, so yours, Jonesy, for anyone listening, was draw both teams to score and Jared Bowen two plus shots on target. When obviously it wasn't a draw and we didn't score, but did uh, did Bowen have the two shots on target? And you said, well, we only had one shot on target all game, so no. <laughs> was it? It wasn't Bowen either, was it? I don't. Think, I can't even remember who it was, but I don't no. think it was. He certainly didn't have two, did he? That would have been some feat, to be fair to him, if he had managed that. Yeah. But um, So, disappointing stuff uh, at Arsenal on the pitch and off it for us with the charity bets as well. Just a reminder, uh, this season, that me and the lads, me, James and Reese Bayliss, who is absent at the moment from the podcast, but still chiming in with his bets every week. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James is playing for the DT38. Dylan Tombidi's foundation, Reese has been playing for. Isla's fight, and obviously that cause, more worthwhile than ever at the moment, given the recent news. And uh, the money comes from Betway, who give us a £50 charity stake each for every single one of West Ham's Premier League games across the season. And any winnings that come from the three-legged bets that we put on the games each and every week goes towards those charities that I mentioned. Betway have a 
agreed as well to match whatever we win at the end of the season. Twelve and a half thousand last year, just over three and a half so far this season, I think. And we need another big one to come in. That did not happen at Arsenal. Josie, we've covered yours already and why that didn't happen and how it wasn't really close at all. Did Reese get any closer? Uh, he had West Ham to have over six and a half corners, um, but we, had, we only had two corners all game. Um, Suchek any time and over four and a half goals, so um, nowhere near. <laughs> no, not even close, mate. Uh, and I, to be quite frank, mine, looking back at it now, seems almost as laughable. I had uh, more than 5.5 goals in the game. I just thought both defences were there to be got at. Um, yeah, not even close to that. Both teams to score, which didn't happen, of course. Um, and I had Declan Rice to have a shot on target. Uh, and I had more than 7.5 corners. Uh, Josie, I don't know if you've got the stats there. Uh, how many corners were there in the game as a whole? Amazingly, there were seven corners. So you were one away or half so a corner away. Would have been one away from that. I, you know what, Josie? I'm absolutely right. I'm damned if I can remember what our shot on target was as well, to be honest. I can't. Yeah. I, I say the only sort of real chance I really remember from the game was um, was Pablo Fornells, yeah. you know, swinging one just part wide of the post, but obviously that was off target. So it didn't count. Yeah. No, no idea. chance of it. No, no idea. No it was obviously that unmemorable. But um, yeah, I feel like Declan got a bit close. Sort of, well, he's basically trying to play the whole game on his own, wasn't he? But um, yeah, so mine nowhere near uh, there either. The more than 5.5 goals thing, I was genuinely convinced. I was like, yeah, that one's definitely going to come in. Um, but yeah, laughable in the end. Uh, and yeah, Reese's one as well. So no, not not really close this week. It was a difficult one to call. Um, so we don't really have much luck when West Ham lose. But Southampton at home, Boxing Day, mate. Uh, another chance to win some money. Three chances, in fact. Uh, and let's go. You said to me before the show tonight that if mine isn't 100 to 1, and by mine I mean yours, uh, you said, Will, if mine isn't 100 to 1 at least this week, then I'm going to give up. Um, in that case, what have you gone for? For West Ham to win 3 0, because we always yep. beat Southampton 3 0 at home. Yeah. Barrett Bowen any time, because. Um... For some reason, I have it in my mind that he loves a goal against Southampton. I think he's only yep. scored one against them, but, you know, it's what it is. And then four nails, goal or assist. So, I mean, if that's not 100 to one, then I quit. I'm out. I'm gone. <laughs> I mean, that is extremely specific, isn't it? Although I can just hear Chad now from Betway explaining when you inevitably moan about the odds. I can hear him going, well, James, the, the three kind of play into each other. If West Ham are going to win 3 nil it's pretty likely that Jared Bowen and Pablo Fornells are going to be involved in those goals. Therefore, it doesn't really add too much to the 3-0 odds. Do you think that was a fairly good impression of what of Chad and what he might say? Yeah, maybe. Oh, I'll... Oh, you've, no, you've done it now. You can't, you can't change it. I'm just saying, get prepared for it maybe not to be 100-1. to one. Yeah, 80-1 then. Uh, Josie, when will, um, just a reminder, of course, we'll do minor Reese's in a minute. Reminder, you can back these bets for real if you so wish on the Betway website or app. 
uh, just go to the West Ham Southampton game. The odds will be up two or three days before. Go to pre-built bets, uh, scroll down, and you'll find the We Are West Ham bets with my name, James Jones's name, and Reese Bayliss's against them. And like I say, you can back those yourself if you so wish. And Jonesy will put the odds up as soon as we get them on our Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham later in the week. Jonesy, what's Reese gone for? Reese has gone bow in any time as well. Over three and a half goals, and Southampton's have f- over four and a half corners. Mm. It's interesting. That's an intriguing one because that that one team in particular to have over four point five corners, uh, as we've seen, the corner count can be quite low. Not renowned for their attacking, are they, Southampton? Uh, and that stat there suggests that they might actually get into a half quite a lot. Uh, but Bowen backed heavily this week, mate. Yeah, well, clearly loves a goal against Southampton, or one of them, I think, or maybe two. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, he's two, he's two one, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone seems to be at the moment, don't they? I'd like how we've all swerved Antonio because I have gone for Thomas Suchek anytime less than three point five goals, and it to be a draw at half time. I'll be honest, mate. I can see a bit of an attritional affair coming up. Uh, neither team scoring for fun at the moment both teams struggling a little bit in front of goal I can't see it being a goal fest and I think if it will be it's going to be one of those goals like an aerial corner or free kick dead ball set piece kind of situation your thoughts exactly Suchek has got to be due one at some point Um, and I just fancy if we're going to do anything uh, then then he's going to be the man to do it. So, yeah, as a reminder, as I said there, James Jones will put the odds up as soon as we get them from Betway later in the week on our Twitter. And you can back those yourself if you like. Fingers crossed it'd be great to end 2021 with a win up for those great charities. Stay with us because before we look ahead to that Southampton game with Jack Rosser from the Evening Standard, big Saints fan, but most of you will know him as an outstanding West Ham United reporter. For the standard, we will actually look ahead to that Spurs game in the League Cup on Wednesday night with Alex Milne, sports journalist from the Daily Express. All of that is next. So, Betway Charity Bets there. Fingers crossed for a few quid for those charities before the end of the year, just to top up that kitty. Uh, but, delighted to say that before we look ahead to the Southampton game with Jack Ross and next, we've got the Spurs game in the League Cup. A game I'm a little bit apprehensive about, nowhere near as confident as I was when it was drawn. But joining us again on the We Are West Ham podcast, returning guest, friend of the show, sports journalist from the Daily Express and huge Tottenham fan. It's Alex Milne. Alex, great to have you back with us again, mate. Thanks for joining us. When the draw was made, I'll be honest, I was mouth-watering tired. We'd already beaten Manchester City at home and Man United away in the League Cup. You weren't playing too well at all, and that's putting it lightly. Since then, our form's gone a little bit damp squibby. You all of a sudden have sort of look a far more professional outfit under Antonio Conte. And all of a sudden, it's a game, to be quite frank, I could do without. Yeah, well, I, I'm suddenly randomly looking forward to it all of a sudden. I don't, I don't, it might be something to do with the changing fortunes of the two teams. But um, no, I think I think it will be a good one. I think, interestingly, the fact that we've been so unceremoniously dumped out of the uh, Conference League today 
um, gives us more of a motivation for this game, really. Um, also, the fact that City are out of the competition kind of, I guess you guys feel the same, but there's now much more of an opportunity to go on and win it. You think, while, while City are there with their recent records, you think, well, as soon as we play them, be it the final, semis, whatever, it's definitely going to be a defeat and it's just going to be a whole waste of time. But now you look, have a team's left in it? Okay, there's Liverpool who are obviously on their day, much better team, but we've seen it the weekend. We can go toe-to-toe with them on our day. You've got Chelsea, as we know, they're having a really rotten run of form. So suddenly the competition's opening up and you think, well, three three wins away from a, a cup that we've, well, any cup, obviously, we've wanted to win for a long time now. Um, same as you guys. So it should be a really interesting one. I think it's not going to be a walk in the park at us for us at all. We all know that West Ham love to raise their game against Spurs. Um, it could be a bit of a mishmash of two teams. We go COVID permitting. We've still got players who aren't at full fitness who might just be easing their way back in. So who knows? It's anyone's guess, but it should be it should be a tasty one at least. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, as far as we'll get into the nitty gritty of the game, what you think about the the competition, whether Conte want to win it, all that. We'll do that in a little while. But first of all, what do you make of of what's happened to to your club recently? Very, I spoke to you towards the beginning of the season. Very disenfranchised with what was going on at Tottenham from top to bottom, really. And the anger was not really directed at Nuno. A bit of it was, obviously, but it seemed to be that the focus had switched to Levy. Now. It's almost like you, you got to the party a bit late and you should have just hired Conte in the summer to save yourself for that few weeks of of pain and faffing about. But what, what have you made of Tottenham sort of probably since the last time we saw you, but certainly the beginning of the season uh, and, and sort of how it's transformed from the calamitous start into to where you're at now? Yeah, you know, I think like you said, there is, there is still anger at Levy because you do think this could have happened in the summer. I mean, there's all talk about Maybe Conte needs a bit more time. Whether you buy that or not is a different story. But it does feel like it was a few months just wasted with Nuno. I mean, me and you, Will, were at the, um, at the Spurs-Arsenal game when Arsenal absolutely battered us 3-1. And the difference in the just the body language of the two managers, I mean, maybe it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but you do just want a manager on that touchline who's going to demand a bit of passion, who's going to really seem to want to fight for the cause, who's instructing their players. And you saw none of that with Nuno. All we saw from that game was Nuno with his arms folded, seemingly without a plan, without players who were going to want to play for him. All of a sudden, we've got this, let's be honest, one of the very best managers in the world. Quite how we've got him in, I'm still not sure, because we were a farce when he came in. Um, But the the change has been extraordinary. You see players like, I don't know, Harry Winks, who haven't played well, frankly, for a year, a year and a half. You then see him go up against Liverpool and arguably our best player on the pitch. And part of me thinks, well... How, I mean, how much can a manager improve a player in that short space of time? But the effect that Conte has had on these players has just been remarkable. And sure, it'll probably come crashing down at some point. We're obviously going to lose a game soon. Uh, I'm not saying at all that we're going to be in the hunt for the top four come the end of the season. But I think as a fan, all you want to see at the moment is progression and a clear plan. And it looks like we've got one now. Um, and that has just completely transformed everything. And the optimism now around the club is is a million miles away from where it was two months ago. And to the point where you can look forward to a game against West Ham on a on a Wednesday night as opposed to absolutely dread it. So long may it continue. Being a Spurs fan, we know it probably won't, as I said, but you've got a dream as a football fan, haven't you? You've always got a dream. Alex, you mentioned there about players up in their game. I think one player that had a good game against Liverpool, I was watching it, was Deli Alley. 
Um, weirdly, West Ham have been linked with a move for him. Do you, do you see? Do you see him having a role for? Him? No chance. Yeah, pa- apparently we're apparently we're looking at him in, if we can't get Lingard, which I find bizarre. But um, do you find? Do you think that players like Dilly Ali and I've seen Sessignon's been given a chance as well. This is a great opportunity for them to actually show that they've still got a Spurs future because they've been written off with the likes of Nuno early on this season. Mm. Yeah, I mean Dilly Ali is a really interesting one because at the weekend. I still don't think he played that well. There were obviously improvements. There was signs of a little bit of promise, but he's still just lacking that that something that he had a few years ago, whether it's that last killer pass, whether it's that little bit of confidence to take something on. I mean, he obviously missed that great chance. You could argue it was a really good save from Allison, but I still think the Daddy Alley of, of the past would have finished it. Yeah, should have finished it, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I can't see him going to West Ham. I just think... If we we know that like Daniel Levy is a massive fan of his, regardless of how he's playing, I just think he still sees a player there, a really marketable player who could who could possibly come back. If we if we're going to sell him, I don't see Levy selling him to one of our biggest rivals. Where like we saw with Lingard, he could then go on and really impress, and we end up looking like mugs. Um, I mean, Newcastle has been another possibility. I think that'd be potentially a bit more likely than West Ham uh, for obvious reasons of the rivalry, like I said. Does he have a future at Spurs? I think the next few weeks basically are a massive uh, part of that, starting with West Ham. I think he's one of those players that probably should start against West Ham. And if, if he goes and has a good game, then he can press on from there. But part of it might be a little bit, basically we're down to the bare bones and he was all, all that's available to choose um, against Liverpool. But certainly intriguing to see how, how his career takes on here because he's, he's running out of opportunities, really. Um, but yeah, Liverpool is a good start back onto mm. his redemption, maybe. What are your thoughts on the whole Conference League thing? Because I said to a mate of mine earlier, you know, it, it seems like, you know, how the mighty have fallen going from Champions League finalists to being dumped out of the Conference League. Um, but all my all my mates of Spurs fans are absolutely delighted that they've been kicked out and like because it's just one less competition to worry about. Is, is that your thought as well? Is that it's like, brought nothing but embarrassment, is it, really? I mean I mean, to anyone outside of Spurs, it's like everyone's pointing and laughing at you, but from every single Spurs fan I've spoken to between, you know, since the announcement and, you know, it's, it's all been, oh, we're absolutely delighted about it. Thank God for that. Honestly, I'm not just saying this. From a minute we got into that tin pot competition, I just wanted to get out of it as soon as possible. Because very honestly, there is no benefit to going anywhere in it. If we won that competition, you lot would still be mocking us going, oh, Spurs finally won a trophy and it's it's a kids under 10 trophy sort of value. <laughs> it is. There's team pot and then there's the Conference League. Like I've been following football for, for a large part of my life and there's teams in that competition who I've never heard of. And it's just... <laughs> you got beat by one of them. Who beat you, yeah. Well, yeah. No, that's what I mean. So it has kind of worked out ideally that we've been chucked out, but we can kind of use the, oh, well, you know, it's COVID out of our control thing. Um, but no, genuinely, I, I think it will serve us much, much better to have those, those midweeks free, again, to maybe focus on something like the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. With all the postponements, we couldn't have been able to juggle all those competitions. It would have been a nightmare. Mm. Um, and I think, frankly, for a, a coach of Conte's esteem, he will value much more just having those players on the training pitch in those days rather than playing Balkan Islands FC or whoever like <laughs> we would have had next round. So, really, I, I, I know it sounds like it's just sour grapes, but I'm, I'm delighted out of it. And I think it's all ended up quite convenient in a way. Yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Where because we were saying last season, we're like, oh yeah, you know, give us a conference league. If when we weren't sure where we were going to finish in the league, we said, yeah, give us it. But that's a different 
mindset because we haven't had any European football for so long. We're just like, yeah, we'll take it, whatever. We'd have been out in Muir away and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's another misstep by UEFA. Obviously, it's financially driven. Of course, it is. Like all these decisions are. You know, in the it wasn't too long ago that the UEFA Cup, which is just the Europa League, um, was like a really coveted competition that teams would really want to be in and really want to win. But that was when it was on the same nights as the Champions League. Then they allowed more and more teams into it, which just waters down the quality and makes even the teams who are involved, certainly the better teams, go, oh, for God's sake, you know, you've got to go through quite a few pointless games, really. But in the old format, when it was the UEFA Cup, it was just good teams against good teams for most of the time. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'd, I'd, I'd still love to be in the Europa League. I think when you get past that knockout, um, sorry, the group stage, it's a really good entertaining competition. As we've seen, you could get, what, Barcelona, all sorts of huge teams. So I wouldn't turn my nose up at the Europa League by any stretch, but yeah, we don't, we just don't need this other competition below it. It's just too much. And it's, it's one that most Premier League teams, I think, should be looking to avoid because it's just not helpful in any way. No, that's the thing. And I mean, I mean, when it all come out, it's you and Roma and everyone was saying, well, Tottenham will lose in the final that to Roma. Like you'll get, and, and again, I know it's semi-joking, but it would have been pretty classic Tottenham, wouldn't it? And all it then yeah. ends up being is, like you say, another missed opportunity to win a tournament, especially a Tim Pot one. And if you win it, everyone sneers at you anyway. And yeah. all you've done is, is played, God knows how, I don't know how many games it would be to get to the final, but in the region of 10 to 12, I would imagine. Extra yeah. games in your season. Half awesome. of those are flying and travelling away. Yeah, I, I agree, really. And again, I think it would be even a pretty big change of mindset, Jonesy, I think for my Sam fans as well, wouldn't it? Where if we got in the Conference League next year, us who've been in the Europa League for one season would be going, really? Wouldn't we? Maybe, no? maybe after about five years. I don't know. No. No, still, still be like, oh, it's still Europe. Like, we can't. Like, it's just different, just... different Spurs because they've been in the Champions League final about four years ago, three years ago, yeah, where it was. Whereas but for it... us, it's like, well, we've only been in the Europa League for one year. Like, yeah. It just it just lessens your chances of then getting to the Europa League next year because you've got this other competition to contend with. I'd rather <laughs> just stay out of Europe for a year and try and get back in the Europa League or Champions League rather than have this sort of tin pot equivalent anyway. yeah you just get into like a little uh a little bit of weird little limbo well look mate let's look forward to the game wednesday night uh tottenham hotspur stadium like we said already the the mood has switched i think uh, among fans of both teams I remember when the draw came out you were like oh god here we go again i was delighted uh that switch from both of our perspective for the reasons we've covered already our form a little bit flat at the moment but you know, we know it's a bit of a cliche, but when West Ham play Tottenham, they're big games. Whatever competition they're in, they're big games. They mean a lot to both fans, despite uh, what Tottenham fans might say. They, oh, it doesn't mean anything to us. Oh, the score on the spammers. Uh, all of that, sort of, <laughs> all of that sort of rubbish that usually comes out of um, of those of a North London persuasion. But let's be honest, we all know it means a lot to both sets of fans. Um, how do you how do you see the game going as far as like style wise goes, selection wise from Conte's point of view? We're saying now that that given our forms dipped a little bit, we've got a lot of games coming up. We're still in the Europa League as well, and it's almost like unlike when the draw was made, perhaps Will or Moisey particularly will, given that we've had a few injuries, it will all of a sudden become less important. Big games, it's Tottenham, but the competition as a whole. 
it might be he'd be less disappointed perhaps to go out than he would have been when the draw was made, for example. But what how does it sit from a, a Spurs point of view, fans, and, and how do you think Conte will approach it? I I think we all will sounds like a cliche. I think we'll really want to win it. I just think for reasons I said earlier, it's it's such a good opportunity to win any sort of trophy. It's so not easy, but it's so it's, it's easy definitely the it's easy, doable. Easy trophy to win in terms of games played and the draw can fool your way in a nice in a nice manner. And the next thing you know, you're in the final. I think we saw at the weekend we played pretty much on the counter-attack against Liverpool, but we did it very effectively. Um, I think this game will have more of a ball. It wouldn't surprise me if we play our, our best team. So you, you got Kane up there and, and Son, I'd have thought, would start the game. But I think it could be quite insane. We know our, our Conte has improved the defence a lot, but it still can be got at. We saw that at the weekend. Still saw the likes of Sanchez having some kind of dodgy moments. Davis looked a bit unconvincing at times. And I'd have thought your, your forwards of your talent can, can certainly still get out our defence. Um, and it, again, it's one of those that if you lose, it's not the end of the world. And so there shouldn't be any sort of tension about losing the game. But if you win, it's a bonus. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a kind of high scoring game, or maybe a, a two all going to penalties or a three two one way or the other. Um, I just, get, just got a feeling it, it could be a cracker. Um, Shame I can't go with you boys, uh, unfortunately. But you know, work schedule works out that way. But I've certainly wouldn't want to be near you crowing if you do get there and go. Oh, we're massive! <laughs> we're massive! We're getting to a final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's hope for a good one either way. Yeah, not your favourite thing to do, is it? Be around me when uh, West Ham beats. Just in general, mate. To be honest, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. When West Ham doing well. That is true. Well, look, mate, uh, it's brilliant to have you back on the show again. You've sort of alluded to it already, but before we let you go, it's West Ham away at Tottenham in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal on Wednesday night. What's your score prediction? I'm going to go 3-2 to the mighty Tottenham. 3-2 to Tottenham. Jonesy? I'm going to go 1-0 and win on penalties. 1-0 win on pens. Nice. Yeah, I I don't know. I... I don't really know. I've got a feeling it might be attritional. I think we'll just go wanting to sit behind the ball. We won't make the same mistakes we did at Arsenal. I can't see us scoring again. We're just in a flat run of non-scoring form at the moment. Even if Antonio plays our only striker and he's playing awfully. So we haven't got much going forward. So I had a proper attritional one. I don't know. Somehow we'll fluke it 1-0, I reckon. I don't reckon that will happen at all. I actually think it'll be grim and we'll lose 2-1, but <laughs> never mind. Well, look, Alex, uh, brilliant to have you back on the show. Alex Milne there, sports editor at the Daily Express, big Tottenham fan as well. Great to have you back joining us on the show. Huge game. That's got lost, uh, a little bit clouded over everything going on in the news. West Ham's recent run of form, but that's still an enormous game for both teams. Wednesday night, quarter final of the Carabao Cup at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Wednesday night, Stay with us because we'll have Jack Rosser from the Evening Standard looking ahead to West Ham's next Premier League game, which is Southampton at home. Their first Boxing Day fixture at London Stadium since we've been there. Jack Rosser, Evening Standard, next. So I'm delighted to say joining us, a friend of ours, a friend of the show, the Evening Standard's very own, Jack Ross. And most of you probably know Jack from his sterling work on West Ham for the uh, the paper and the uh, Standard website. Big, big, big face on West Ham Twitter as well, of course. But uh, for his sins, Jack is in fact a, uh, a diehard Saints fan. 
Uh, Jack, brilliant to have you on the show again, mate. The West Ham Southampton game, West Ham first home Boxing Day fixture since we've been at the London Stadium, which is one most supporters are looking forward to. Still, none the wiser as to whether it will go on. The latest development from the Premier League. Uh, today, this recording on the 20th suggests that the teams just want to steam on with as many games as they can over the festive period, which suggests our two teams will be going head to head at the London Stadium on the 26th. Um, are you confident, first of all, that the game will be played? Uh, firstly, I'll invoice you for that introduction once we finish recording. <laughs> um, and then. It's so hard to tell, isn't it? I think the Premier League, it would have been fantastic to have been sort of a, a fly on the wall in that meeting today, um, that, that, well, that Zoom meeting, um, because the Premier League as a collective sort of want to try and push on because there's a lot of commercially sort of sensitive things that they want to carry on and, and keep going. And you also sort of bring in the emotional side of, the Boxing Day games being such a big fixture of, of our footballing calendar. So to, to knock them on the head would have been quite significant. But there's also a lot of, as there always is with the Premier League, a lot of suspicion and, and accusations maybe that clubs are using these postponements to their to their benefit. But I think the drive from the Premier League is to, to get it going. So unless there is a, you know, touch wood, unless there is a significant outbreak, both clubs have so far steered clear of it. Um, Southampton... Well, both clubs are very strict with their their sort of protocols that are in place. I know Southampton, even before this new wave, had sort of stopped players seeing their families after games and directly after games in the players' lounge and things like that. Um, stop that sort of mixing. West Ham had a jab to drive at the weekend. So they are on top of it. Southampton are nearly 100% vaccinated already, which makes a, a big difference. And I think that's the bigger thing. It's not them catching it. It's it's people they know catching it. If you're double jabbed or mm. triple jabbed, you can you can go to work. If if you're not, then you have to isolate. And that's the bigger problem. It's not players catching it. It's their families going get it. So I think it will happen. Um, I'm not so confident about what will actually happen once it does go ahead. Southampton have got a terrible record at the London Stadium. I think we won there the first time we played there. And since then, we seem to lose 3-0. <laughs> every time we go which um, is not a delight to be there when you're covering it and sat in the home end and you know, walking down at, at half time and listening to all the chants and things like that <laughs> Well hasn't Hootel Jack has been quite vocal in his stance on uh, on Covid and vaccinations and stuff like that so uh, yeah like like you said I think so is Moisey so the game um, if ever there's a game that's sort of likely to happen it, it does look like it's this one uh, before I know James has got a few questions for you about the Saints their season and, uh, and the game in particular on Boxing Day before we do it would be remiss of us while we've got you so esteemed West Ham reporter as you are to not ask you um, what your thoughts on the season so far you've been to every game bar a couple home and away uh, I think the last time I bumped into you was, was away at Genk you were even there at Rapid Vienna one of about 40 people in the stand no doubt so you've uh, you haven't missed too many um, what have you made of it so far and, and as we come to the end of the year the year as a whole it's been fantastic hasn't it I'm putting something together at the moment looking back on the entire year and you know, the turnaround in 2020 was amazing to go from going into lockdown, you know, with a, a point or goal difference, keeping them out of the uh, the bottom three to where they ended the year and, and what they went on to. But 2021 was sort of 
where it really all kicked into gear, wasn't it? You know, you start with that that game at Everton where it it was, I think it was a horrible game at Goodison on New Year's Day. And then it really kicks on into that run through January and, and you end up in Europe. And, you know, there were a lot of questions over the summer. Were they flashing the pan? Where do they go from here? What sort of happens without Jesse Lingard? And, and they've exploded and gone on again. The concern now is that injuries and, and schedule and everything will, will start to bite back. But every time something happens and you go, well, that, that's probably West Ham done. They go again, don't they? So it's been a fantastic year. It's been fantastic to cover and, and see the transformation. There's been some fantastic stories come out of it as well. Um, and, I, you know, I think the, the overwhelming emotion at the end of the year should be positive. There are a few concerns, you know, around a bit of form and, and goal scoring and injuries. But I think really you look back across the last year and they've been written off a few times and, and come back into it. So you start a bit of confidence that, that they'll be able to do that again. Jack, before we move on to Southampton, um, just a little bit on West Ham's squad depth because it's always been a bit of a worry. Um, we're seeing a little bit of... Um, That's um, the doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> do you need to go and get that? I might do. I'll see if it's the missus very quickly. No. Sorry, chap. One second. What? This is staying in. Mm-hmm. wonder who it could be. Mm-hmm. Amazon package around this time of year, quarter it's past six. Up. Yeah, you think so, wouldn't you? Oh, this could be a new feature, couldn't it? Who's who, at, who's who's at, the, at door? the door? Who's at Jack's door? Yeah. 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 Just ensure that every single time we get a guest on, they someone rings on their doorbell, but we're not allowed <laughs> to know who it is, and we got a guest. Sounds, sounds like a really bad game show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could. That's something you could see Anton Deck fronting, isn't it? For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Ooh. Sorry, there he is. That's lost the key. Oh. That was the missus. Yeah, we've uh, you've, you've triggered a new uh, game show for the the new feature on the podcast, Jack. Every single guest we have now, we're going to get someone to knock at their door midway through the interview. <laughs> Me and Jonesy have to guess who it is. <laughs> but as as you were, Jack, about Jonesy's question on West Ham. Yeah. So where was I? So depth on on West Ham squad depth um, it has been a worry. We've, we've noticed. I don't, I don't think we expected it to be so much of a worrying defence, but that's what that's what's happened recently. Uh, January transfer window around the corner. Anything you know about potential West Ham business that's that's coming? Because everyone's looking at Lingard. Looks like he might be staying at United now for weird, yeah, weird, weird reasons. Jess, but... Jesse's a difficult one. I think it suits a player that's got six months left on their contract to wait until the end of that contract. Mm. and assess your options, you know, you, you get a wider choice of club, you also get more money because you're going on a free. So from that point of view, it makes sense to wait until the end of the season. From the point of view where they'll have to look at it in January is if a decent offer comes in from West Ham, obviously the offer has to go in first. But he wants to be in the World Cup squad. And if he, moves, if he doesn't play for Man United in the second half of the season and moves in the summer... That's not a very long time to get into the World Cup squad. Mm. So that, you would imagine, will be West Ham's sell. They do, and Moyes specifically wants to bring him back to the club. And he wants someone that can bring that burst of energy that Lingard did. So that will be an interesting one to see whether they can sway Jesse because the intention at the moment is perhaps for him to stay till the end of the season. Not completely decided, but that's sort of the way they're leaning at the moment. 
And then I think it's very obvious what they want. If they can't get Jesse, they want someone that can fill in that sort of role, whether it be an out-and-out centre-forward that can bring some more goals or someone that can fill in um, in those three positions behind the striker and perhaps step forward or allow one of those three to step forward and fill in for Antonio when he's not fit or, or as it is at the moment, not scoring. Um, that was supposed to be Vlasic, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, we're supposed to have that person already. Yeah, but I think, you, you know, Vlasic is, Vlasic is an interesting one because you paid a lot for him, um, you know, in relative terms. But he's still a young player and he's one that you sort of look at the two different types of players Moyes goes for. There's the Zoomers, Suchek, Sufals that step right in and hit the ground running and are fantastic signings immediately. And then you look at Bowen, who is eased in, Ben Rama, who's been eased in. And, Four Nails you know, was the, the same. The yeah, jury's still out. Four Nails, you know, it wasn't one of his signings, but took that same path. So Vlasic mm. is one that is a long-term investment and could still, you know, he wants to give him more chances. I think we could see him start against Tottenham uh, in the League Cup. They're the sort of games that he wants to give him some chances in. They've obviously got Leeds in the FA Cup as well, should they all go ahead. Um, and that's a chance for him to make his mark, which he sort of needs to. Now he's had those chances. Um, and then a centre-back as well is something they want to look at. You know, Zuma's not as bad as it was first feared, which is good news. But of Bonner, it's a serious injury to have for someone who's 33 and he'll need replacing eventually. Um, Matt Phillips looks a decent fit. He's tall, he's strong. He's the sort of character that Moyes would like. And he's quite clearly and readily available. He said it, Liverpool have said it. So it'll be interesting to see if they do move on that and if so, how quickly they can move on it because it's been a sort of hallmark of the recent transfer windows, which have been good, um, but they've been long and the business has been done late on, which, given the schedule, wouldn't be ideal. Um, and I think they're all aware that they need that if they're going to carry on mm. to, to hit new heights, really, across the rest of the season. Let's talk Southampton, mate. Um, we have to. Yeah, unfortunately we do. <laughs> unfortunately we do. And I think I'm pretty sure I asked you this last time, but there has literally been no change or development on it. And there was so much promise with Harson Hoogle. Um, I think he was linked with the Spurs job as well, after Mourinho, maybe. Um, and there doesn't seem to be much progress there, but he's still seen as a highly rated manager. I mean, is he still the long-term manager to take yeah, Saints forward? Or is it, or is it kind of like, okay, well, how long now before we, we need to push on now? The, the the biggest issue is you look, it is, it's a funny situation, I agree, but you look at the the squad and the club and when Pellegrino was there and when Mark Hughes was there, you looked at them and you thought, oh, Christ, we, could do, we can do better than this. But you look outside of the club now at other managers and think, would, would they really be better? You, Gerard going to Villa, is maybe one that makes you think, oh, maybe we could have got got Steven Gerrard. But, you know, Lampard's another one that's out there. Would would we be much better off with Frank Lampard? You don't know, potentially, but also potentially it's not. Gander, it? yeah. Exactly. And the, the sort of one thing hanging over the entire club is the ownership that can't spend money, won't spend money, and wants to sell up and be out, be rid of the club. Um, there have been reports that, that Mr. Gow, who owns the club, has got his own financial reasons for wanting to sell the club and, and need, needing to sell the club. But that's the, the real issue because a new manager comes in and they're not going to be blessed with, you know, a load of money to go and make it their squad. This is now, after three years, 
a squad that Hassan Hutter has built and wanted, but had to build on a budget. There's there's a, a real lack of of quality in that group. So the faith is still around the club, inside the club at least, in him. You know, he's questioned a lot by supporters, sometimes rightfully, sometimes, you know, some funny decisions on substitutions and things like that and team selections. Other times it's all a bit daft and, you know, you have to sort of think about what I've just said and, and the resource that he's got available because, you know, you I sort of rally against the, the trope that gets rolled out about something every time is that you can't just keep selling your best players. You can if you replace them properly. It works if you replace them properly. Mm. But at the moment, they don't have the funds to replace people like Danny Ings properly. Yeah, it's a, a strange one, isn't it, Jack? So you look at the table at the moment, Saints 15th, uh, sort of one point above Leicester, uh, sorry, one point above Leeds, who everyone sort of, I know, albeit that you've uh, got a game in hand over them, everyone's assuming that, you know, they're, they're having a calamitous season by all accounts. Uh, you're four points above Watford, but they've got a game in hand over you. Uh, but yet Everton are only two points above you and Brighton, who were media darlings at the beginning of the season, uh, as were Brentford and Crystal Palace. All three of those teams, Brighton, Brentford and Palace, just three points above uh, Saints. All Everton played the same games, Brighton and Brentford. Game in hand over you guys. It, it's a strange one, isn't it? How it works out, how you're all in such a tight little bracket. And most people would just sort of assume, oh, yeah, Brighton are having a good season. Yeah, so are Palace. Uh, oh, yeah, Southampton are having a rubbish season. So are Leeds. But it's there's it, barely anything in it, is there? Yeah, it's, it's always difficult to adjust the expectations. You know, being in the Premier League a, a long time now, really came up the same season as, as West Ham and the expectations that maybe have been set because of the the sort of early success under Pochettino and, and Ronald Koeman after him sort of showed you a bit of, you know, this is what you could have won when mm. you end up in positions like this. And you look at a club like West Ham who are kicking on and doing what they're doing, but and there are comparisons between the two clubs, but you pick it apart and there aren't really because West Ham are a, a club in London with 60,000 seats that they can, when, you know, COVID permitting, that they can sell every week. Um but the expectations are a bit different, I think, at Southampton, given what JJ was talking about, that this is a project that's been building but hasn't built anywhere mm. over the last three years. Yeah. Relegation scrap after relegation scrap is is not much fun. I'd rather it to, you know, finishing 11th every year, I think. And just Would you rather it to Norwich or West Brom, though? Where you're actually up and down every year. I, don't, I, I sort it, of know difficult. what you mean. There have been times where I've thought I quite like a trip around the championship just to win yeah, yeah. games. Because um, it has been, I was looking before and it's, I found it quite hard to remember when we last won. Um, and we haven't won since Aston Villa, I think. Yeah, November. Which <laughs> it's won a long old slog. Three games we've won this season and we're 1-0. So it's not been too exciting. So you do have a flirtation with or maybe go into the championship and win a few games, but it's nowhere near that simple. Is it getting back out? It's very difficult. Um, so, yeah, I think we can... There are clubs that are... We're a club that are quite capable of going on a burst and, you know, changing that narrative around our season. I just don't see it happening on Boxing Day because we have such a terrible record there. I mean, no, it's exactly how you feel, mate. We've We've been there back in relegation and kind of toying with the idea of or maybe going down wouldn't be such a bad idea just so we can experience winning football games but um, looking into this weekend 
How do you see this one going? Uh, it's difficult. At the moment, it's two teams that can't really score. So mm. it's, it's going to be thrilling. Um, <laughs> it, it depends who Saints can get fit. Uh, Brojo, as long as he's fit and firing, has been a, a silver lining. Livramento may well have benefited from the weekend off that Saints got against, uh, not pay, uh, through not playing Brentford, sorry. That will be a big help because he was fantastic at the start of the season, a real sort of bright spark. And, you know, when we when we signed him, I was told that Hudson Hooter was going around telling everyone that he'd be the best player at the club within six months. And everyone sort of laughed him off. And then he was the best player at the club within about two weeks. Is this um, Livermento? Yeah. Yeah, oh, right, yeah, yeah. Which for you know says a lot about our season that uh, eighteen-year-old right back's the most exciting thing about it. But he's a very good player. But he's looked a bit tired in recent weeks. And if he's flying and Walker Peters is 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 getting forward and going well, then you might be able to test the back four. But it's then you look sort of everywhere else. And as good as War Prowse is and as dangerous as he can be up against Rice and Suchek, that's a a battle I don't sort of fancy him to win. And the defence has been quite hit and miss. We started the season with a solid defence and it's sort of started to slip again. And we've also got a 40-year-old in goal. So there are a lot of sort of unanswerables that I think for Saints to, to get something and get a good result, a lot of things have to come together at the right time, which they don't often do in Stratford. Yeah, that is that is true, mate. It's just such a strange time for West Ham as well, obviously, with their... Yeah, I went to Arsenal... In the week, and yeah, I was quite disgruntled afterwards. Just like oh, I didn't offer anything, da da da. And then you think, well, a lot of our good work earlier in the season was built from the back anyway. And that Arsenal game, we had four different defenders to our first choice uh, back four three weeks before that, maybe when we had Johnson at right back, um, Zuma and Ogbonner in the middle, and Cresswell at left back. We didn't have any of that. We had Kufal, who all right is starting eleven quality. Dawson and Diop, uh, and then Masuaku, who in a back four is just, you know, it might, may as well not be there some of the time. Yeah, um, yeah I just, I just, it's just, it, all I mean is what you're saying about Saints. I think West Ham fans, there's a feeling of going into it in the same sort of hoggledy, higgledy, piggledy sort of frame of mind or state, if you like, of the squad. And it's like, if we can nick three points, we'd be delighted, really. Yeah, and I think West Ham are another one that could benefit from having the weekend off as well. You know, through no fault of their own, they get that time off and you can maybe try and get one of the full-backs back. You know, Creswell's a, a funny one. That's been worse than, than anyone thought it was going to be. It's mm. been touch and go for the last five games, which is just Moyes' classic style of keeping everyone on their toes. There's a hope that Ben Johnson is either nearly there or all right now, um, which makes a, a real difference as well, just having that back for the you know the balance that that Creswell more importantly brings and the threat from set pieces that he brings um will really sort of change that that confidence in the back four as well because like you said Masuaku in a in a back five he was fantastic yeah, especially back five is brilliant. in a back four there are some more questions and I know Moyes has been a bit frustrated with some of his um some of his contributions at the back when he does mm. play in a four which I think is being generous. Um so, yeah, it, I mean, both clubs have been hit with injuries in different ways. Saints are, are struggled to score when they had five fit strikers to pick from and it's become even harder when they've had none. So there's a lot of sort of guesswork going on into who will be fit because of the churn of games. 
You've obviously got the League Cup to factor in for West Ham as well. You know, a result against Spurs and you, and you don't, you know, that sort of higgledy-piggledy mindset you spoke about suddenly clears and, you know, there'll be a lot of confidence back. Hey, we're again. back to being massive again. We're going to win everything. It, exactly. <laughs> it, so, it can all change very quickly. Um, and it's a funny time of year for, yeah. for how quickly the mood can change. Absolutely, mate. Well, look, Jack, it's been brilliant having you with us on the show. Uh, just want to uh, say hats off as well for all your coverage on West Ham this year. Uh, I know I've certainly enjoyed it. James the same and, and plenty of our, our listeners and anyone who follows us on Twitter normally follows you as well because you've got your finger on the pulse with, with most things concerning the Hammers. So it's uh, hats off to you for that this year. Just before we let you go, give us a score prediction. And as it's probably the last... Uh, live episode we're doing of the year. Give us your favourite moment of 2021 covering West Ham as well. That's difficult. Um, score prediction's easy. 3-1 West Ham. Um, <laughs> because it always is. Um, the best moment. that uh, The Liverpool game, the Chelsea game, they were both fantastic. I think sort of I think the first, I didn't get to go to Zagreb, but Genk, as strange a place it was, just sort of all the, the excitement. Very bizarre, isn't it? Season. Yeah, at the end of that season, the sort of, all they went, they get into Europe. Sort of finally realising that after a season of, of fans wondering, that was quite a, a special thing to go and go and be part of and, and to be there and witness. Um, and just, I think, the momentum that's built up around the club and especially this season, you know, there was a novelty to it at the end of last season and maybe sort of a, you know, might not might not get to see this from West Ham for too long. Mm. But the sort of shift and the realisation that they're a club that can compete at this level has been, been quite interesting to watch. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, look, I mean, it's been the best calendar year, certainly for, for us as supporters watching the club. And I don't think, Jonesy, I don't think it's any sort of coincidence at all that Jack highlight of the season was Genk away when he did bump into me outside the stadium beforehand. I think anyone can add two and two and come up with four when you hear facts like that, can't they? Hang around the hospitality and you'll bump into you after, after your... <laughs> so, so Jack, Jack, I'm just wondering how big that invoice is that you're sending around because... Um, I know, good yeah. <laughs> Well, look, Jack, it's... Exactly, mate. Exactly. Well, look, it's been brilliant having you on the show again. Thanks for all your appearances this year. And like I said already, thanks for your work um, covering West Ham, which brings a lot to uh, to what can be a murky place of uh, West Ham Twitter normally. So uh, brilliant having you on. Thanks for joining us. Don't wish you luck for the weekend, but uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year and all that sort of thing. And we look forward to speaking to you next year. Jack Rosser from the Evening Standard. Stay with us because we will have the West Ham women next. So, Jack Rosser there, Josie, not very enthusiastic about the prospect of his team coming up against West Ham at the London Stadium. Fingers crossed he's right. And let's hope that just how our record against Brighton in the Premier League continued to ring true for this season. Fingers crossed there. All those records that Jack was talking about there, Saints struggling. You've gone for a big West Ham win in your charity bet as well. Fingers crossed uh, that comes to fruition for our first Boxing Day game for a very, very long, our first home box day game for a very long time. Uh, I'm not actually going, Jonesy, 
absolute spoiler alert um i can't actually make the game which i'm absolutely devastated about working unfortunately um working in the industry that we do it's a little bit difficult uh, <laughs> to get away from working on Boxing Day when your job revolves around football matches and live football matches. So, yeah, gutted to not be able to get to that game, especially as it's a Boxing Day one. Always been special occasions, um, but I'll be watching keenly from afar. Um, what are, your, what are you, your sort of thoughts on the game? We didn't manage to get them while you were talking to Jack there. What, what are you feeling like ahead of the game against Southampton? I think... I think we might see a bit of a reaction from the team, particularly if we get one or two of the, the defenders back. Maybe. Do you actually off. think now, or do you just want that to happen? No, I, I do generally think we'll we'll get a reaction. Um, since Moyes has come back, we've not really gone too long without picking up a win, um, or we've not had a run of uh, a long run of sort of disappointing performances or results. I think he generally gets the team back up and running relatively quickly after a disappointing spell. And I think that will come. I think a lot of it rides on how we get on against Spurs in the League Cup on Wednesday. Um, you know, win that or or at least play well in that one. And you take a little bit of confidence into the Boxing Day game. But I think I think we'll see a reaction either way, to be honest. Um, and at home, everyone's going to be buzzing um, to be back. Obviously, having missed the Norwich game. On Boxing Day, first home Boxing Day game at London Stadium since we moved there, I think. So a little bit of extra bite there. Um, and, you know, we do tend to do well against Southampton at home. I hope I haven't jinxed it by saying that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And the Spurs game as well. Obviously spoke to uh, Alex earlier on. Big Tottenham fan. Uh, I don't really... Uh, interested to get your thoughts on that because I'm... With Southampton, I just I just think oh, we've got to have enough. I've had a bit of a break. I know we're not playing well, but neither are they. It's a game we should win. I know we've said that about Burnley and Wolves, and we have come up uh, short against teams of that ilk in recent times. But I just fancy us to have enough. I don't think it'll be pretty, but just like you said, just three points on the board um, will be important. But that Spurs game, sort of, with everything that's been going on, West Ham feel a little bit flat as well. Antonio Conte's, to be fair to Spurs, they're playing a lot better under him. Much harder to score against. They gave a good account of themselves against Liverpool the other night, albeit they were massively aided by the referee and they should have lost that game. But they just look a better outfit than they did under Nuno Espirito Santo. What's your what's your thoughts sort of ahead of that of that game? Because it's it's still a massive one. But it just feels like it's getting outed out by everything at the moment. And it, I'd be delighted to win it for so many reasons. But it it, feel, it kind of doesn't feel as big as it did when it was drawn. Yeah, I think the way Conte's got them playing is it's quite a wrong time for us. I think they showed against Liverpool that you know, they're a completely different team to the one we beat earlier on in the season in terms of style of play, energy, um, a few underperformance from earlier the season and now picking up the game a little bit. Um, he's got Ndombele running around, which Spurs fans seem to be happy about because he was notoriously not very good at running around. Um, and that's a problem for us, I think. But, yeah, I mean, it's a cup game. Anything can happen. But I do I do wonder whether... I think what hasn't helped is they've been kicked out of the, the conference, the Europa Conference League. Because that means they haven't got to think about those fixtures later in the, in the season. 
you wonder whether it would, is Conte going to look at this and go right this is a competition I can win early doors or is it one go well, fixtures I don't really could do really do without this season whichever way I mean if, if it's the latter then we might have a chance it all depends on his, his, the team he puts out there I think because I think they they're playing at, at the moment and if we they're playing away at the moment if you come up against a team like West Ham putting in another performance like I did against Arsenal for example and um Unfortunately, I, I don't think it would be a good night. But yeah, I'm not as confident as I was a couple of, last month when it was drawn. Definitely not. And when it was drawn, I thought, oh, brilliant. You know, that'll be a game and a half. Since then, fortunes have turned for both teams somewhat. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. I, I just think it will depend on selection, won't it, really? We're at that stage now where I'm almost worried Moyes will take that approach to the fixtures because. Unlike when we beat United and City in the previous rounds, we our B team was still quite fresh and hungry and eager. But our B team is basically our A team now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We've just got we've just got a B team, and then our injury list. <laughs> That's yeah. sort of what we're left with, and a few youth players coming through and conducting themselves okay. But yeah, I am concerned that at this stage there'll be obviously it's a big game against Tottenham. A lot of games coming up. Then the Europa League kicks in next year. We don't know what the talk is behind the scenes as far as January goes. But I am a little bit concerned that, unlike it was before when the game was drawn, it might be like, oh, you know what? I'm not too, I'm not too confident. Like inside the club, you go, well, perhaps we prioritise this slightly less than we would have done, given through extenuating circumstances. Obviously, fans won't want to hear that. But you certainly think he'll Moisey will be edging towards that score of thinking more so than he would have done at the beginning. But look, Jonesy, those uh, those games are are coming up, and we'll have a look back on those when we next touch base in the new year, of course, with a bumper first episode of the podcast. But we've got to do West Ham women for the last time of the. Uh, 2021 Jonesy they were supposed to play Chelsea at the weekend that was called off Uh, Emma Hayes blamed their Champions League exit uh, on Covid related issues in the build up to the game that was uh, yeah that was then that was then called off I mean Emma Hayes they were further positive coronavirus tests within Emma Hayes' Chelsea squad and Katrin Berger and Drew Spence uh, were ruled out on the li- on the eve of their Champions League game against Wolfsburg. A uh, number of other Blues players after that entered self-isolation. So, yeah, that game, uh, both teams agreed it and the FA, of course, and that was agreed to be rescheduled. All in all, it's, it's been a pretty decent calendar year, hasn't it, uh, James? Last week as well, as we were doing the podcast, I believe, uh, they beat Brian Brighton 3-0 in the League Cup. They've then gone and drawn Chelsea. Those games will be played towards uh, the latter half of of January. Chelsea were the ones who knocked us out of the League Cup at the semi-final stage last year. We've got them at the quarters this time round. Um, hard to see anything other than an early exit. Uh, however, last year, the Conti Cup was sort of one, well, the only bright spark, really, uh, and the thing to get sort of excited about, pleased about from a West Ham women's side of things uh, this time round, it's the other way. The WSL form is much better. Their league position is much better. They're seventh at the moment, 13 points, same as Man City and Reading, just two points behind Brighton, who are in fifth, uh, and a game in hand over Man United, who are fourth, um, who are just five points above them. So if they win that game in hand, 
all right, it's against Chelsea. So you've got to assume, assume that's a defeat. But then seventh place after nine games is is not too bad, really, approaching that, that halfway stage. All in all, I think definitely a transition year. 2021 has been for the girls. Oli Harder got the chance to get his feet under the table, impress some of his ideas on the squad. And I think we can see improvements, can't we? Yeah, it's been a good second half of the year. I think you know when he came in earlier on this year, the, the, the main thing was keeping him in the WSL, and he's done that. Um, and there's been progress ever since. The season's been been pretty good. A couple of disappointing results due to late goals. Um, but I think, I think as you said, it's just a transitional year. Going to next year with a, you know, with a with an opportunity to kind of pull away from that bottom four or five because it's still quite tight. Win a couple of games. Um, and I don't think Chelsea are. I think Chelsea. It's a formality that we're going to get knocked out of the cup or even lose that game in any against Chelsea. I mean, they lost to Reading last time out in the, in the WSL. Um, some people put that down as just a one-off game earlier on this month, but it shows that they are beatable. They're they're a beatable team. Um, Reading are eighth, um, joint same points as us, just got worse off goal difference. So they are beatable. Um, it's a tough ask, but. I think the key thing is we say this every week as well. Beat the teams around you in the in the in the league table, and you've got half a chance of finishing that top half of the table come the end of the season. I think if they do that, or at least even if they've just were to finish seventh where they are now, you have to say that's a that's a good good solid season, given where they were this time last year. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, mate. Absolutely spot on. Because it's easy to look at that league and and think because it's smaller. <clears throat> excuse me, you should be making bigger strides. But you wouldn't expect a team in the Premier League, for example, who finished just outside the relegation zone last year, to all of a sudden be contending in the top third of the league. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that, would you? So although you look at the improvement of maybe only two or three places, if that's what it turns out to be, and, and seventh is around where the girls finish, then yeah, it's sort of easy to go. Oh, it's only two or three places. Ugh. But if you think about it as an actual percentage of where you've moved up in the league, you're finishing that middle tier now rather than uh, the bottom bracket as you were before. Uh, that's a decent turnaround. And I think the general sense around the club, it just feels like Wally Harder's doing is is moving in the right direction rather than stagnating or in the wrong direction, which I don't think anyone can complain about at all. So, uh, yeah, so hats off to Ollie for the job he's done in 2021. Uh, James, no game now for quite a while for the girls. Man United at home on the 9th of January is next up. Um, bit of a break as well. Man United, again, huge game, mate. Man United fourth, uh, just five points above the girls at the moment. West Ham one game in hand, as we've already mentioned. No reason whatsoever why they can't get something out of that. Hundred percent. I think. I think we've seen this season that. I mean, barring Arsenal, we just seem incredibly unbeatable. Yeah, they lost the FA Cup final to Chelsea, but um, every team in there is beatable. You know, Chelsea losing the Reading shows that United have lost a couple of games already this season. So, I think given the form that, that we're in as well, we should be looking at those games and going, "No, there's no reason why we can't get get a result." So, so, yeah, I don't think anyone's to be feared in this league, barring Arsenal, maybe. Definitely not, mate. Definitely not. So, overall, then, quick thoughts on on 2021. Uh, what, what, just a quick summary on on uh, the West Ham women. Progress. 
massive, massive progress. First half of the season was a little bit ropey, wasn't it? Um, I mean, I remember they were going to stay in the in WSL, but Oli Harder came in and uh, managed to do that. And it's it's been sort of looking forwards ever since. And, you know, if they can continue this in, next year, then then you'd have to say that, you know, a lot of progress has been made. But a good second half of the season, uh, to the year, should I say. And um, lots of positives to take in at 2022. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Hats off to... Uh, Ollie, for the job he's done, uh, definitely reasons for positivity on the girl side of things. Uh, congratulations on their progress this year and fingers crossed they can keep that going in 2022, starting with that game. Man United at home Sunday the 9th of January. If anyone fancies getting along to that, that is a 6.45 kickoff in Dagenham. Uh, James, that's nearly it for another show. The last full-blown non well he's pre-recorded i suppose i'm still in radio mind mate when we used to do the old love sport live shows that's basically how we treat these podcasts every week isn't it albeit the inevitable stuff ups i do when trying to read the advertisement uh readings out at the beginning of the show they normally get re-recorded a couple of times um but yeah i mean uh, it was sort of the last one uh that we're going to do properly we will do a pre-record that will go out uh, in between Christmas and New Year, but that'll be more just a general review of 2021. Um, last one. So we'll have some final thoughts. Don't get too emotional, Jonesy. It's okay. We will be back next year. But we'll have some final thoughts next. Well, Jonesy, there we have it for another show. Our last proper format. We are West Ham podcast of... 2021 uh we've looked back we will do a show as i've mentioned already we will release a podcast next week in between christmas and new year but it will be pre-recorded before the boxing day game at southampton it might be after the tottenham game at tbc but that will come out next week so you'll still get a show from me and jonesy but it'll be more of a general review of the year as opposed to the normal format looking back to games and looking forward we'll be back at it as usual uh, early in the new year expect your first podcast on that first tuesday or wednesday in the new year uh what you got we got yeah monday the third tuesday the fourth wednesday the fifth so it'll be around the fourth or the fifth the first proper podcast of next year uh but you will have one to listen to next week james it's been a brilliant year for west ham united on the pitch and quite honestly it's been a brilliant year for the podcast hasn't it um the listener numbers have grown exponentially with bags and big interviews this year tony cotty one being the best one probably with all the pie capital stuff in the takeover when he joined that bid we had him on the show for a two-hour extended special and then he gave us his first interview that he'd done after publicly backing that pie capital bid i would say that was probably my highlight of the year particularly large spike in listeners around that time and i'm delighted to say that the majority of those extras seem to have stayed with us um i've really enjoyed it to be honest mate i think the, the funny thing looking back is that we've we've struggled haven't we at times to get used to talking about west ham winning a lot <laughs> the old love sport radio days we were in the studio in southwark the shows were, were quite easy because, you know, you just turn up and go, oh, that's rubbish, and just do passionate rants. And passionate rants are a lot easier um, than it is to find the different superlatives to talk about your team, 
being superb. But fortunately, the, the masses of West Ham fans did it for us. Um, and we just found one and it's massive. And that kind of sums everything up, doesn't it? Yeah, it has been a good year, mate. And it, although it's been difficult to to find more creative ways to, to rave about how great we are and how massive we are, it's also been just really refreshing just to be able to rock up and do this every week and not come away from it just feeling even more depressed than I was when we went in. Which we, <laughs> we used to go into that studio after a couple of beers beforehand, didn't we? And we'd be just already depressed about what what's happened two days earlier. <laughs> yeah. And then th- two and a half hours later, we'd walk out of that studio and just be like, oh my God. And then you've got the train journey home and all that. Had to relive like, it. It's even more harrowing. Like, like you'd look forward to doing the show because it was great doing a live radio show, but then mm. also like dread doing it at the same time. Because like, <laughs> you have to talk about West Ham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas doing this over the last year, and I mean, you could even include eighteen months. Really, it's been it's been great. It's been wonderful. Um, and long may it continue. And hopefully, we can take the momentum into into next year, or at least get some momentum back after the last couple of weeks. But yeah, yeah, it's been a good year, mate. And um, yeah, it's been been a pleasure doing it with you, mate. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, I think what you said about the podcast—that's one thing. It's always a laugh, isn't it? Like, it's, uh, you know, often at the end of it, you do feel oh, that was enjoyable. That was a bit of a laugh. You have a laugh about it, whether we're good or bad. But I think the main difference is actually like being absolutely like can't wait to go to every game. Mm. The amount of my life, if I look back, especially like this season's brought that into sharp focus, is that if I look back at so many seasons having a season to get West Ham I think I've said this before but it would get to a Friday you'd be at work and someone would go oh what are you up to this weekend and it would dawn on you and you go oh no it's like, oh what is it oh I've got to go to football and it's like West Ham would have a home game when we were destined to come 14th or 15th that year like home, home um, against Stoke and you'd be like yeah oh, under Sam Allardyce and you think yeah. we'll probably, we might draw this one all if we're lucky <laughs> and yeah, and I just, it's completely changed my perspective and outlook on football. I'll be quite honest, mate, I really like it as well. I really, really enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that, that's that been the main thing for me. The podcast is always enjoyable because you sort of have a laugh one way or the other. Um but I think, yeah, just being able to enjoy going to West Ham games has, has been phenomenal. And like you said about including 18 months, but this has been a full calendar year of superb football and experiences, isn't mm. it? With with all the games that we've won and um, all the memories that have been made, really. And we've packed a lot into 12 months as West Ham fans uh, that really, as we've said before, just one of the good things that's happened would have defined an entire season. Uh, in years gone by so yeah to to have experienced it all this year has been brilliant chatting to you about it Uh, obviously we've had we had Tom on board for a lot of the ride for the first half of the year Uh, it was enjoyable having Tom around who was a character and brought a lot to the show um parted ways at the end of last season Reese joined us for a little bit at the beginning of the year we've had countless amounts of reporters join us from across the media spectrum which has been brilliant uh, and obviously a lot of the the ex-players and the brilliant interviews that we've managed to pull out the bag as well have been great. So, um, yeah, I just, all in all, it's been 
it's just been exciting, enjoyable, and I've 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 loved. I would say every minute of it, definitely not, because that Brighton uh, still not been out to beat Brighton is still rattling me. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just been a, a good time all round, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's just it makes you makes you look forward to to next year now and see what can be achieved. And you know, after what we've what we've witnessed over the last twelve months, you know. It makes you excited, doesn't it? Just feels sustainable as well, which is yeah, absolutely lovely. It makes you excited. Well, what's well look, mate, next? Uh, well-deserved holidays, holiday break coming up for the pair of us. Uh, what are you up to over Christmas? Can't be mum's. Uh, be my mum's first Christmas with with Harrison. So she's very excited. We're very excited. Um, so going back home for that, and then spend nothing. I think we can up to to Lucy's sister. And her husband in uh, Bury St Edmunds for between Christmas and New Year for for a few days as well. So yeah, we'll have it a place, mate. Lovely, mate. Lovely. Very nice indeed. I'll you're, be hosting my first ever hosting. Christmas. Yeah, first ever um, year as a host. So yeah, mum and dad coming over, sister and her fella. We uh, we, we discussed this off air in between segments. Mm. Um, you've got a very controversial food situation going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously very aware that this content might not be up to shed and email level. Um, I, th- so... I think I think this is probably more interesting because everyone has an opinion about Christmas dinner and what should be on the table and what should yeah, be on the right. table. Yeah, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, first year of hosting. Uh, I mean, it's the last one of 2022, mate, isn't it? <laughs> Any comments we get between now, no one's going to send negative comments over Christmas. Surely it's the fest of the season of goodwill to all to men. To be fair, it's the last two minutes. Everyone's probably switched off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's about four <laughs> blokes left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, so the, the Christmas dilemma, not a dilemma. So hosting it, I thought, oh, you know what? I'll go a bit rogue. Uh, my view is that Turkey every year, it's okay not a superb meat. It's just all right. You have to cook it properly. Temperamental bird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very temperamental bird indeed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I just think people sort of normally, we do a turkey and a garlic beef is normally the standard fare in our house, in our household. Um, and normally just people just have like one slice of turkey just because it's traditional, just to say they've had turkey because it's Christmas dinner. And then they get stuck into all the actual good stuff, the pigs in blankets, the sausage meat, the stuffing, the garlic beef, the Yorkshire. No, we don't have Yorkshire puddings. But you know what I mean? No, all the sauces, all the good bits and all the puddings. And people just go, yeah, we had turkey and had one slice. It takes ages for cooking. It's aggro. So I thought, go a bit different. Go a little bit traditional because uh, I'd go duck. So I bought a duck. I bought a turkey joint just as a backup. But I thought I'd go a bit rogue with a duck. Um, and it's been met with varying levels of disdain in my family when uh, I let them know about the choice I'd made. Um, yeah, I sort of thought I'd try something a bit different, but seems I've been shot down in flames before I've even had a chance to try it out. What you should have done. Uh, duck is a very rogue shout, by the way. Mm. It's not like I'm not talking like crispy duck pancakes, oh, plum sauce, like spring right, onions, like, and like cucumber. An although, yeah. although, although, it's a good shout. Um, yeah. No, I think. With the turkey, you could have gone turkey crown, a little bit smaller. If I've only got eat it. Mm, I've only got a joint, but I just thought I just wanted to do something different. I've only got a little cut, like a, a turkey joint, whatever the hell that is. It says serve six. There's five of us coming. I thought that'd be more than enough. Yeah, it would do. Um, 
Yeah, I just thought I'd try something different, but um, yeah, I mean, send us your thoughts. <laughs> Leave us a review. All three, all three people that left listening to this at yeah, right yeah, in yeah. two hours, yeah. let us know what you're doing. <laughs> and if you're, uh, if you're one of the people that furiously wrote in after, um, yeah, after the chat, the chat about the, the emails or the shed, hopefully you weren't too enraged by a conspiracy theory. Um, but the turkey duck chat at the end of the last proper, we almost, um, podcast of 2021 may have tipped you over the edge if so i'm very sorry and i hope you have a nice christmas and new year without us but please come back and i'll try and tone it down for next year but look james you brilliant year on the podcast just um uh, uh before uh, reminder last reminder proper of of this year uh where to follow us you can follow us on twitter at we are underscore west ham or on instagram at we are west ham pod facebook just search the we are west ham podcast do the same on youtube uh, for all the clips uh, from the interviews and the chats with me and Jonesy, all the reaction, that's all over on YouTube. If you'd like to see us as well as hear from us, subscribe to the pod, give us five stars, write us a review, and more importantly, tell your friends about us. If you can, over the festive period, might get a new gadget, uh, just flick on the We Are West Ham podcast, subscribe to it for them, for your dad, your granddad, your mum, your auntie, your nan. Um, just subscribe to the We Are West Ham podcast on Christmas Day when you're showing them how to work the new gadget. Uh, just show them that and do what some of you have done the last few uh, weeks even if you want to give us a bit of grief as long as you get, leave us a review and put five stars and then give a stick <laughs> more than happy uh, to receive that but Jonesy let, let's have some final thoughts for you then before I wrap up uh, for the last proper formatted podcast of 2021 obviously look at, back to the games that have gone before a little bit of a look ahead but big big year for West Ham United the biggest in living memory I would say yeah, it's been a huge year for the club, for us, for the podcast. Um, and it would really cap it off nicely with a win over Spurs. So that's that's kind of what I'm clinging on to now. Let's end, let's end the year. Obviously, we've got seventh and after, but let's end the year on a high note. Let's beat Spurs again. And um, yeah, let's just do it all over again next year because this is fun, isn't it? Like, let's just do it all over again. Like, might as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing better to do if we might yeah. as well just yeah, beat everyone just stay again. massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New Year's resolution for West Ham United's to remain massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it, Jonesy. I like it. Well, look, I'm sure um, I speak for Jonesy as well by wishing each and every single one of you who've listened and downloaded the podcast this year, whether it's just one or every single of the 50 or so we've done in 2021, a massive Merry Christmas. I know it's a weird time for everyone and it looks like for the second year running, Christmas is going to be impacted in some way, shape or form. But uh, wholeheartedly for me and James, we wish each and every one of you a brilliant festive period, a happy new year as well. As I say, you will hear from us next week. Um, but we appreciate every single one of you, all the downloads, all the messages we get, all the follows on any of our social media platforms. Uh, we try and do things a little bit different here. Try and keep it lighthearted. Uh, it's been well easy this season. I love doing it with James um, and I love most of the interaction I get from you lot as well. Even Shadows06 earlier who said he wouldn't recommend this podcast to anyone and suggest we stop immediately. <laughs> Even people like that, that all puts a smile on my face. But I genuinely do hope uh, Shadows and the rest of you have a brilliant Christmas and a wonderful new year. Thanks very much for your support this season. It's been brilliant. Uh, the team are flying high. Could not be prouder of West Ham. What a 12 months it's been. Finishing 2021 as winners of our Europa League group stage 
facing a last 16 mouthwatering clash against some European giants. Fifth in the Premier League. Does it really get better? Who knows? Maybe it does in 2022. Thanks again for listening, everyone, all year long. Up the hammers, West Ham United are massive and to all of us will always be. We'll see you next year. This episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed Mark Noble shirt. Tickets are just £4.95 each and just 99 will be sold. But this draw ends at 7.30pm on Tuesday, the 21st of December. So be quick. Just 99 will be sold. So you've got a fantastic chance of winning uh, 7.30 on Tuesday. So get on over there as soon as you can. You need to be a bit lively for this one. The winner will be drawn an hour later live on Football Prizes Facebook page. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Tony Cotty, Side Ben Rama, Paolo Di Canio, Jared Bone and Vladimir Sufal up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.